0: always Prada here on the Modern Punk Podcast. I'm Sid Mackay and God I love this band. I fucking love this band and having these guys, or having Jeremy rather, on the show this week was one of the coolest things I think I've done probably in my entire life. One of the things I really like to talk about on this show is the commercial side of running a band, you know, that kind of business side, partly because I'm a bit of a business geek and partly because I feel like you don't really get that information anywhere, you know, regardless of of where you're you're getting your music news. I've always been honest, open about the fact that music journalism, in air quotes, is sort of hobby journalism, doesn't really make any money. Even if you're working for the big, you know, the big brands, most people have side gigs or they're freelancing for a dozen other places as well or, you know, there's, there are so many different ways you have to think about trying to make that work in this industry. And so one of the things that I'm really stoked to talk to Jeremy about this week is, the economics and the commercials of running a band. Now, recently he started tour managing Devil West Prada. So he's all over that shit when it comes to running the band and how that stuff works. And, you know, they're a band that have been around for well over a decade now. So there is a lot of commercial now sitting there, and there's a lot of commercial now spread out throughout this conversation talking about how, you know, the band started off small town had to grow put money into it take money out of it and all that stuff so if you ever wanted to know about the economics of starting a band this is a really good episode if you're not into that maybe skip over those parts it's a wide-ranging hour-long conversation so there is some really cool stuff in there and i reckon there's something in there for everyone that's a fan of the genre not just devil's prada fans obviously if you're a prada fan you're gonna fucking love this so this is devil's prada you're on the mother punk podcast and the track Playing underneath this bit of chat is called Nightfall. It's from Z2, the new EP, which is out now. And I'll be playing Nightfall at the end of the show, as always. But for now, this is my chat with Jeremy and the Devil West Prada. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Jeremy. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. I brought
1: my microphone. I hope that's okay. <laughs> that
0: is Honestly, that is amazing. I, I do so many of these, and it's like people on their mobile phones, and I'm like, this is going to sound like crap. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, how, how have you been? I mean, it's obviously a weird time to be releasing music and i don't want to like dwell on the apocalypse for too long because you probably got that you probably got that question from everyone but it's kind of weird because yeah. right? you can't wait forever
1: oh yeah i mean i feel like uh where are you at right now i'm in edinburgh in scotland oh okay so you guys are getting vaccined up and whatnot like pretty much everyone where i live like my whole family's had two doses like oh, the band have and everything, so we're we're feeling like we're gonna be back playing shows and stuff like in the fall. So, um, it, you know what? In some ways, it's been obviously totally psychotic, but in other ways, it's been kind of cool to try and brainstorm and be like, you know, how can we stay engaged, like when we're still at home, and then how can we take those things forward? Uh, mm. you know, you can get kind of caught up in the everyday. You're playing a show, but it's like okay, maybe you have like half a million people that listen to your band, only like a thousand of those are there each night. So you can't kind of rabbit hole yourself in there. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is like figure out how to like be more engaged with everybody. You know, you're in Scotland. How do we engage with the person in Scotland, even if we're not going to go there except once a year, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And the thing I realized today is just how fucking long you guys have been around.
1: <laughs> like, yeah it's a long time
0: <laughs> has, has that just got i mean for me it's like you listen to a band and before you know it they're you know eight or ten albums deep or whatever and you go holy shit i've grown up but for you that's like your whole life like you grew up in yeah. the band does that did has it gone as fast for you as it probably feels like it has for fans
1: uh sometimes yeah so i think i was like 17 and mike was 16 when we started the band so um, you know, you're right. It has been our essentially our whole adult life. And I think um, I think there's been times where it has felt longer than others. But like for the last few years, pretty much since we put out our last album, uh, we have just been f- Feeling absolutely amped, like we were so bummed. We were out with this band. We came as Romans, and they're kind of like from the same time period as us. And that tour was just crushing. And like you know, like over a thousand people a night. Like everybody's amped up. It, the nostalgia train was rolling, and so we were so bummed to come off of that. And so, like in those moments, it it does feel like it was only yesterday.
0: Mm and it, do you not to get like too existential too quickly sure <laughs> do you, I mean that's kind of why I like doing this but like do you start to think about like this is kind of your legacy right like if, if the band ended tomorrow and we obviously don't want that to happen mm-hmm. you kind of look back and go this is this is your legacy right like this is what you've made with your life do you think about that or is that just you know being on this side of the industry I get to sit around and come up with the existential yeah. shit like that you know
1: <laughs> I think I think we do I'll like more so like I think um w- when we had a few member changes and different things that happened, we kind of went through this process of like trying to figure out like does this even make sense anymore? Like can we even write the same music? You know, six dudes that are from Dayton in a warehouse is a lot different than uh these people now. Um, and so I don't think it was really until our last album, The Act, that we really felt that same energy and that vibe and the creative like juices just firing all across. And so now I think we do really think about that legacy, like making the zombie EP, we were actually going to, um, make Z two like before we even did the act back in 2019, but the songs we were writing were just not there. Like we just were not feeling the same energy. And, and my other guitar player at the time, uh, Chris Ruby, he wrote, pretty much all the riffs on that album. And so it's not like I was just going to come in and, you know, here's my take on it. So I think we had to get in the right headspace and, and uh, it felt like now to your point, like, do you worry about the legacy? Yeah. It felt like you can't just go in and kind of um, bastardize something that means so much to a lot of people. And I think, um, I think in some ways we've, kind of done that with the band at times like people have been like i trusted you i wanted to follow you uh on this musical journey and you let me down at certain points and so i think like it's not that we're trying to like pander to people now but it's more saying of like what brought you here in the first place and how can we continue to evolve but do it in a way where it makes sense that it's coming from us and not just Mm. some random outlet so
0: that's got to be hard though, right? Because you're a human and your needs change <laughs> and your ideas change and you grow up.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I think like that's part of it. Like, especially right now, I'm 33. I think most of our fans, I mean, I have the data. I know our fans are all from like 19 to 35, and most of them are like in the 28 to 35 year range. And so I feel like that's kind of what it's more about. Um, we had a song that has actually been just crushing for us, um, in ways that we've never seen called chemical.
0: Yeah. Um, That's massive.
1: Yeah. And so our, our keyboard player actually wrote that one and he was kind of just speaking of existential, he was kind of telling me about this existential thought of like how all these little neurons that fire off, they're just like chemical reactions and like, is any of this even real? Does this make sense? And, and we kind of tried to funnel that into like a musical outlet. And so I think for us now moving forward, it's trying to write material that resonates with people that are our age. You know, uh, mm. I don't know. How old are you? 28. Yeah. So, you know, like not much changes after 25 in your brain, you get more experiences, but it's all kind of the same. Like, I don't feel like I'm 33, but Um, you still have those same feelings, but your life is so much more demanding. You really have to deal with them. Whereas like when you're an adolescent or whatever, you're kind of more succumbing to your feelings, but now you have more responsibilities. So I think for us, like musically, we'll try and provide an outlet for people to, uh, you know, it, it helps when someone says, I'm feeling the same thing as you. I know that helps me when people write about those same sort of struggles. So.
0: it's so interesting to how you're and you must see this in the band and your old records and and your fan mix too like when you're younger when and you have those feelings everything feels like the end of the world but as you get (laughs) older you realize that you've overcome that so many times that like it's just another bump in the road that always blows my fucking mind
1: oh yeah it's crazy (laughs) Um, And I mean, it's hard, like it it can be very hard and demanding, not like woe is me, but, um, you know, I've had some really uh, difficult moments in my personal life that I've gone through while I was still like on the road and having to go on stage and put that stuff away. And so, um, you know, I think you try and live in that moment with people it's almost an escapism but a healthier one you know it's not like taking a bunch of pills or something so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah totally i mean it, it, i talk about this a lot but the new a day to remember album they've got that track it's only money mm-hmm. right i mean they've been they've been around for i guess less time than you guys but in that 15 years that they've kind of been touring relentlessly you miss a lot of life yeah it, it's, it must be the same for you
1: i actually was just jamming that i live in uh, North. And then also, I was kind of driving on some of these like country roads um, and I, I actually texted Jeremy and I was like, dude, I can't believe how relatable these lyrics are right now in this moment. Just, yeah, you're so right. Like you can't write about running around town and going to Taco Bell and stuff like that when you're 18 at 35, it just doesn't resonate. So it's more, you know, he's got his family, he's got it, these experiences that he's missed yeah it's crazy that you bring that song up because that's part of what got me thinking that
0: <laughs> i mean I, it's in a much less dramatic way i've been kind of thinking about that too that's i'm don't get me wrong i'm not as old as you and jeremy that makes you sound like old motherfuckers sorry my point is that um <laughs> it's like i feel like i haven't missed as much but living away from my family and stuff. And that, you know, they live in a different country. I've just moved up here and we've been going through all the stuff that we've been going through. You kind of realize a little bit about what he's talking about or like a little bit about what it must be like to, to do that. And, and I think that album for me was like, and the, you know, the same with the new track for you guys, it was like, these guys are growing up. Like we're actually getting mm. to that point now where the, you're growing up, not just in front of us, but with us. And that's such a crazy thing.
1: Yeah, and I know those guys like obviously incredibly well. We used to play together all the time, and still do play together often. I talk to them all like just you know as friends, like on on the, on the phone and stuff. And and it's crazy because you would think like certain levels of success or like downfalls and all these sorts of things would affect people, but they're still the same dudes. You know, they come from a very small kind of like hillbilly town, like much like we do. And, and those sort of um, things don't leave you, you know, that same way of thinking about things and like how, what you value is just totally, is totally different. So I, I've loved seeing those guys just crush it.
0: For, for you, having pay, like peers that are similar, does that help kind of frame your success or your perspective differently? you know, cause you've got that in common with those guys. You've got similar levels of, of success. You've, you know what I mean? As opposed to like looking at someone, um, I don't know, like Justin Bieber or someone who's like sort of mm. got that explosive level of, of fame.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think so. Although I do like, you know, when I, I, I love Justin Bieber and I, think he's totally not totally not a dig i just mean yeah yeah Yeah. i think for me because i've seen so many people like of different levels come from like the very bottoms and to the very tops and you know you hang out with people who are not bieber level but you know are selling out like huge arena tours and stuff i i look at him and i don't think oh he's so you know far off in things i think he probably makes the same decision that we do when he makes something, just his budget is significantly higher and the amount of people he can get to work on it. But um, yeah, I guess so. I think like, to me what's kind of cool is like you just look at the radio charts right now and it is like a day to remember and architects and bring me the horizon and parkway drive and of mice and men and like those are all people that literally we all grew up together we were like 18 to 23 year olds you know just trying to figure it out and it's so cool to see that you know, if I was an eighteen or nineteen year old turning on the rock radio now, to me it was like Chevelle and Corn and Limp and Lincoln Park. And now to see like my friends on there um, and even us like with some songs, it's so crazy. You just you never think that sort of thing will happen. So,
0: and it's it's weird to think for me that that generational shift has happened. You know, like you say, <laughs> everyone was talking about Corn and Lincoln Park, or you know, not long before Metallica and all that kind of stuff, but the way these guys yourselves included are like the Metallicas and the Lincoln parks of our generation, you know? And it's you, when you lift that, you just don't see that shift.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, it, I love that you're talking about that because now it's making me think if for a time it felt weird when like your friends would start getting the huge slots, like now they got the download, festival slot. And it was almost like a miracle. Like, how could this happen? That's so cool. Like the impossible was achieved, but now it almost feels natural. Like, you know, the old bands are getting older uh, and all old respect to him. I love all those bands you just named, but 100%. like, there'll have to be a transition at some point to bands of our age. Right. Like that's just going to have to happen. And it's cool to see it more of like a normalcy now and not like the oddity. Right. Cause mm-hmm. like, we, we don't have a bunch of like classic rock bands of our generation we're turning into the old dog <laughs> classic rocks at a certain point so yeah it's cool i love seeing that the architects guys especially man i love i love them so much and i love sam i love seeing them have success
0: it's funny too when you start to realize that the music that you listen to growing up is like not heavy anymore you know yeah like- <laughs> Like, is yeah, this what it felt like for my parents? <laughs> Holy shit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: One of the things that I've been um, super curious about, and you mentioned it before, but with like budget scales and that kind of thing, Band, mm-hmm. like bands of businesses, right? And one of the, and I always try to be open on this podcast with my listeners that music is an industry and that we need to think about bands like businesses because they make money, lose money, all the stuff that you know. Mm-hmm. When did you get that sort of business sense? Like, did you, I mean, I'm assuming you grew into it, but did you have mentors along the way? How did you figure that out?
1: Um, it, it kind of has come in various ways, some of them even more recently um, than others. Like, I think when we were really young, we had almost, not that we had almost no business sense, but like when you first get on the road, you know, you're like in a van Um, and you had to work and beg your parents for some money to maybe buy that first one. Um, and then I don't think we made money for like the first couple of years. Like we, we had rise records that was super generous and was paying for our records and stuff. But, um, you know, you pay for the t-shirts up front and then sell them to make it. And so we started learning that just low level kind of like how those things operate. And then, um, as we did start to have much more success and and actually make some serious money we started getting business management involved and they would run like a profit and loss sheet and those kind of things and you start realizing you know how income and expense works um and then i think just with age like probably as everyone gets better with those sort of things we have gotten better and then i think in the last couple of years um one, once i started tour managing the band uh that really gave us a much more clear picture on like where we could really trim down i don't know if you um are familiar with like the lean manufacturing model from uh, toyota but that's sort of the same approach that I've tried to take to our stuff, where it's like, um uh, we're a band that spends a lot of money on production. Like we just feel that our shows are best experienced with some really cool lighting and all kinds of stuff like that. It's harder to do in Europe um and and uh the UK than over here. But shipping we, costs are crazy, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like we try and bring some of those elements in so if we want to still make money, we had to cut it other places. And so I think I think it's a continually growing journey, but it's also probably camp by camp. Like, but almost every band that's successful has to have a couple people that are pretty savvy. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work and they go bankrupt.
0: When I was in New Zealand and I, I would go to shows, bands would play and it would cost a hundred bucks for a ticket. And you'd Holy always God. look at the American market and that same band regardless of what's right we'll be playing like 30 or 40 bucks and you just think how how does it even... <laughs> but the amount of like but the cost right not yeah. just in time but personnel to get people from you know america or europe or whatever right the way down it's just phenomenal
1: yeah and we like we can't really do like in the states and uh on the continent we can do like uh pouring vehicle right like a bus or something and then everybody can sleep in there but if you're going to New Zealand or Australia and stuff you have to get like x amount of hotel rooms and this and that too so and then the visas and stuff so I didn't realize it was that expensive but <laughs> yeah well I guess it's I mean that's the thing though
0: is like it's not just you guys that need yeah, to be paid yeah, yeah. right which is like we kind of when you're a uh, when you're booking a concert ticket or whatever and you see it and you're like what that's extortionate, but it's, it's super easy to forget from a fan side. It's like with albums. You know, yeah. It's like, some of it's, those
1: are also opportunity only. Like it maybe like you do um Australia and you make some money, but they'll say, Hey, let's tack on some New Zealand shows. And like, especially if you're not the headliner, but even if you are in like a smaller, like five or six hundred cap, you might not even make money. The agent might just say, you know, you can cover your costs and this will be awesome. And like obviously, I mean, I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. So I was like, Yep, let's go. New Zealand, cool. <laughs> Hobbiton and did the whole deal (laughs) yeah nice nice
0: it's so cool down there do you you have that same um, excitement now in terms of like uh, you know we're talking about opportunity costs and stuff and going actually you know I was born in Dayton Ohio I still want to see so much more of the world Mm. yes let's do it but also there's obviously the business brain going ah fuck
1: Well, not so much, as long as you do something on the other side to make up for it. But yeah, that's still there. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other things I could do and make more money. You know, I like do software engineering as well. Like, Um, I'm in school for that. And like, I could just like walk into stuff and start printing cash, but that's (laughs) not why I do it. Uh, We've been super lucky to be able to make, uh, you know, not trivial amounts of money from it, but that's never like the driving factor. Um, And like you said, the opportunity cost. Yeah, I mean, we will go over to Europe and do stuff. And like, if we make money, it's often not a lot, but we don't care. We want and we'll spend half the money we get because we want to go see all the cool pubs. We want to go, you know, experience the culture. Just because you know, it's almost like paying yourself for the ticket to go there, and then just do whatever you want to do. So,
0: and I mean, we started this conversation talking about legacy, right? And that's part of it if not in a public sense, but in a personal sense, like why would you not want to see the world and and all of those things?
1: Yeah, it changes you. Um, Especially, I don't know, are you from New Zealand or from Scotland originally? From New Zealand, Zealand, yeah. So it it probably applies in both senses, but I feel like people um, from both places are more apt to travel internationally, but maybe just because of the setup of the US in general and maybe the nature of the people, it's just not as common do international travel. And so I think like almost everyone that lives like in England or Scotland or whatever is going to go like down either to the Caribbean or like an island off of Africa or something to take a holiday. That's very normal. Whereas for the States, you just go to Florida and stuff. So I think it was like crucially important for us after the first few times we went over to be like, we just have to do this as much as we can because, you know, seeing that much is not uniquely It's not normally an American experience. We're kind of culturally stupid at times. So
0: (laughs) I think partly um, you guys have everything. And in my limited experience with America, the different cities I've been to all feel like entirely different places, just with English being the sort of common thread.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's insane, honestly. Do you
0: do you feel like doing this stuff? You're you're still um, growing as a person. You're still learning, sort of like things about yourself and and how you manage different like sets of expectations with everything that we've talked about. Or do you feel like you've kind of got it down pat now?
1: No, you're. I think you're always kind of doing that. Like especially like with this Z two. Um, I, we obviously new people would be amped about it. Like we get asked about it all the time. But I think the like almost. Industry-wide and like fan base wide um excitement is so much more beyond like what we anticipated that um yeah, I, I just I don't know why. I had no idea. We've already sold through like three repressings of the vinyl and stuff, and and one of those repressings we thought would last the whole cycle. So like I think um, I think you think you know pragmatically how things are going to go. And then you just have no idea like where it's going to go from there. I think that's part of what makes the industry so exciting is that you do all these things in your own little vacuum. And then obviously you try and do some cool, exciting marketing. Um, You know, we worked with our friend, Anthony, who took a bunch of really cool like emotional photos like this cool black and white one we've been blasting everywhere and stuff but like you don't know just because you think it's cool we have thought a lot of things were cool that people hated (laughs) so you just never kind of know
0: yeah it's the vacuum thing super interesting because obviously as you get bigger you have people that help you with stuff right whether it's facebook or instagram or all of that sort of thing do you feel like more and obviously we're doing a "Quote unquote press thing which brings you closer mm-hmm. to people but do you feel like you get more separated from your fans as you get bigger and it just because of the nature of not being able to run everything on your own
1: um well we still run all of our uh social media stuff too just because i'm a very like particular and controlling person on those sort of things i know what i want the messaging to be and stuff but um I think like, especially for Mike and I, like on our social media platforms, I try and just be as obnoxious as possible. So people, (laughs) it still feels relatable. Um, Not like mean, but just like, I don't want it to feel like not on our band platform, but on my own like platform, I just try and like take the piss out of people just for fun because like, why not? I don't know if you know the band counterparts at all.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: So there's singer on Twitter. He's like one of the funniest people in the world. He's really funny in real life too. But on Twitter, he just kills me. He just buries stuff. And I think that's kind of fun because that, that didn't really exist to the same degree. I think there was more separation when we were kids because mm-hmm. um, it was MySpace and stuff, but he couldn't so easily like go on somebody's feed and just talk directly to him or like, you know, somebody like mentions me on Twitter, I'm I'm just in my house. I get it the same as if they were talking right to me, so I I can just respond right away, and it's kind of fun in that in that regard.
0: I bet your Twitter mentions are insane, though. I bet if you opened your phone now, you'd have like thousands yeah. of them.
1: The DMs are crazy too. It's insane. I almost really can't even. I really can't deal with it on the band one, like the DMs and the mentions and stuff like that. On the personal ones, they're not that bad, but the band one, it's just like it would that would be a full time job with very little reward at the end (laughs) (laughs) not that people are mean but it's just like thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you know
0: (laughs) yeah i mean this it's that whole thing of like people you know people want to tag you and stuff and tell you how much Mm -hmm. they love you and how much they love the new song and it but when you scale that out to you know half a million people
1: that is a i lot love of it interest. still though yeah i love it because it's like you know like we have all the spotify metrics and stuff and the youtube things and you can see like what people resonate with but it just hits different when they're like i love x song you know you're like oh thank you man appreciate that it's
0: it's cool that it still feels like that right that you still oh, get yeah. that like endorphin hit so nervous.
1: So <laughs> yeah. yeah, like eleven fifty nine, right before it comes out. I was just going, oh man, what's okay? Let's see. <laughs> do, do, so. you take, do you do you check your
0: social straight away,
1: or do you just
0: have to like put the phone down and go? I'm gonna give it an hour and stress uh, in another room.
1: Yeah, probably that. Like, my girlfriend's definitely more interested in it than I am at times. She's like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff. People are saying, I'm like, I know. I just, like, need to chill for a sec. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it the same for like album reviews and and all that kind of stuff like do you guys engage with those or you just kind of We
1: I think we read them all like I always thought it was stupid when people in the movies like I don't even read my reviews like yeah right you're in the most narcissistic industry of all time you're (laughs) lying to people but yeah we read it I don't think it it doesn't hold the same degree of weight like if we I think it stings more if you know that something wasn't quite where you wanted it to be and you put it out anyway and people point out those flaws it triggers an insecurity where like like let's say with z2 i don't care what somebody says because i know it's awesome like Mm -hmm. i love the songs and so like i'm not i'm not going to be like torn away i think the only thing that really bothers me is someone is dishonest or has sort of a snarky approach to it where it seems like they're trying to like prove something and honestly that happens a lot more out of like um uk stuff for some reason there's just this (laughs) like (laughs) it's the rag mentality like with the newspaper you read it oh look at this idiot you know and i'm like man that's so i remember like um kerrang and stuff used to bury us and I never understood it until the architects guys were like, that's just like how we talk about stuff. We just like dump on it all the time. That's actually a good thing. This is good that they're, if they weren't talking about you, that'd be bad. You want them to kind of rag you a little bit. So it's it's funny.
0: So I'm vehemently anti album reviews. Um, and And the
1: reason for that isn't
0: particularly intellectual. It's just that I started out doing the whole music journalism thing. And so I get that the bar is extremely low and that most publications, instead of paying you, will quite happily send you a promo copy of a CD if if you write a 300-word review.
1: Okay. And so a
0: lot of the times, like, you don't actually know the band, and then you'll listen to the album, you'll get on a Friday, and then the review is due on, like, Sunday to be printed on Monday. And so you listen (laughs) to it a bunch of times and go, oh, blast beats, double kicks, I don't (laughs) like this sound, that's the review. And so I kind of get this, They're like, integrity and that's supposed them? to
1: represent it like forever if somebody looks up the album like what do people think about this it's like dang man yeah yeah, that's yeah. brutal I didn't know that
0: And, and so, so like I've done some myself where I've done reviews and I look back on them now and I go oh you're an embarrassment to yourself like how could you how could you so clearly not get it and yet someone went that's a good idea we'll print that that guy's an asshole so like,
1: uh, humans it, are weird man so, so weird
0: but but a certain amount of resilience comes with that right so at what point for you were you like comfortable enough in your creativity and in yourself that it started to take you know when assholes like me were like oh this band fucking sucks it's this thing sting started to come out of it
1: um, I don't I don't know that it, like our journey was just so different like we grew up in a very hardcore oriented scene most of the bands were hardcore bands and like straight edge bands and stuff um playing in our area and so we would roll in like with a keyboard and it was like oh no 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 like already we were having to prove ourselves so much and like overcome not fitting into that local scene very much like i don't know if you remember that era very well but like there just wasn't the same degree of like seeing kid it was like online, but in every town there's like five people so like it was a very weird sort of situation, so like you know um even like when we started getting bigger shows, you know, play with uh, Chiodos or uh, Silverstein and these sort of things, we were always the odd man out, like heavy band, like that sort of thing, trying to fit into that world. So I think already our skin was just so thick of just being like dumped on so much that it just doesn't really bother us, you know?
0: Yeah. You still got that kind of um, underdog mentality.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: yeah, I fucking love Silverstein. I did a, a conversation with Shane a couple months ago and I was bricking it the entire time. <laughs> you'd, think, you'd think I'd be used to it by now, but uh, he's so good, too. He's so I- cool, too.
1: I went on their podcast actually recently or it was like a Twitch hangout or something and hung yeah. out with those guys. I love them. Yeah. I mean,
0: they're like, they're super cool. And you would think I would be past the whole like freak out fanboy thing. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> not. Uh,
1: <laughs> his was, podcast is awesome. Actually the lead singer syndrome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, and he's such a cool dude. Do you, are you past the kind of freak out fanboy thing too? Or do you sometimes have moments where you're like, Holy fucking shit. That's, yeah, you know.
1: uh, if I saw like Trent Reznor or something like that, I'd probably geek pretty hard. Um, yeah, I think so. I think everyone has those those sort of things. I don't even know who mine would be. I guess like I don't know. I'm kind Ooh, of like we have to find anyway, it. So we probably wouldn't.
0: <laughs> we have to figure out <laughs> who yours the, would be.
1: It would probably. It would probably be Trent Reznor because like I loved Linkin Park. It was like my favorite band growing up. And then uh, our singer Mike and I got to do a song with them at Warped Tour a couple of years ago. And I thought I would be like geeking hard, but they were so nice and down to earth that it was more just comfortable. Like it, we felt yeah. like peers, even though we weren't in any way. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would like freak out.
0: It's funny because I I feel like doing this I kind of bridge the or or I sit between hanging out with people like you and understanding that people are people and also being <laughs> on the fan side and totally not understanding that people are people <laughs> yeah. you know and it's a really yeah. weird perspective I imagine for you you must get people that are just like that do that kind of hyperventilating sweaty palms like holy fucking shit it's Jeremy kind of kind of thing
1: is that yeah I think that's that like? like hard for me it's it's not like emotionally hard for me to deal with. It's just more like my nature is so welcoming. I, it's like, it's like I'm in a frat. Like I've been in one since I was like a kid. So, and a lot of my friends are literally in frats. And so uh, I just expect like, Oh sick. We can just hang out and it's cool, man. And like, if people geek too hard, it's not that it bothers me. It's just like, I don't know how to necessarily like, I just like want to make people feel comfortable because again, like I'm just a dude, literally just a dude. And so like, I don't, I don't, not that I don't, I mean, I have stuff on my wall. It's not like I'm like ashamed of it or anything, but it's just like, I don't go around thinking about that on a daily basis. Like if I'm sitting there having a beer and somebody it's like, that's so cool. Now let's just hang out. Like, I want to hear about you. Like, what do you do? Like what's, what's fun to do around here in this town sort of thing. Yeah.
0: You don't know, walk into Taco Bell and be like, I'm famous. I want to be. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like an E grade celeb. If that maybe, maybe <laughs> e, minus. <laughs> you know, e
0: minus. That's going to be the title of this podcast. It's just going to be, I'm an E minus.
1: <laughs> you know, what's funny though. That kind of reminds me though. Um, like we live in North Carolina now and, and there's a huge beer scene here. It's like massive. And it seems like every time we go to a brewery here in town, the brewer or somebody that works there is a fan of the band. And so it's just awesome because like, obviously they're my age. And so, or your age, like, you know, we're not like kids anymore. And so it's just like, Hey man, so cool here, have a beer. And so I just like get free beer all the time. And we just sit there and, shoot it
0: (laughs) oh man like that's that's the reason to be famous right
1: (laughs) free beer once a month
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean I reckon if you went to the brewery mall once a month they might yeah that's true
1: yeah yeah that's true they're cool though I mean it's like it's it's just crazy because like you said like it does feel like only yesterday that you know, we were 18 and everybody was 16 at the show. And now it's like people have lives and careers and families and stuff and still vibe with the music. So that's pretty sick. Do you feel
0: like you have to figure out who you are personally and who you are publicly i suppose that is the right way to put it in terms of like you know we we feel like we know the. well in your case you literally know the people that whose music you listen to mm-hmm. but when you're removed in the fan space you know because of the way we use music as a coping mechanism and escapism we feel like we know the people that are creating it, even if we don't so do you feel like this
1: kind of private jeremy and, and public jeremy no, I'm pretty obnoxious and outspoken. so <laughs> There's not much to hide. <laughs> just and like with obnoxious all the time. Yeah, just all the time. But like with Instagram and stuff, you can kind of let people in. I, I know some people really value their privacy, but to me, it just doesn't bother me at all. Like, if, if it was unobtrusive to just have someone, they could follow me around with the camera if I didn't notice it. I wouldn't care. I've like nothing to be ashamed of or whatever. So, Yeah, a, I, I wasn't don't.
0: assuming that we'd find like skeletons in the closet <laughs> or anything.
1: No, no, I mean, I just mean like privacy doesn't really matter that much to me. It's just not something that's that concerning to me.
0: I feel like also, in, you know, forgive me if I'm projecting, but part of it comes from being in the scene that we're in, right? Like there's a long legacy of, bands that we grew up listening to who have always been open you know like yeah. you can send them an email or a letter and they would generally write you back or they'd be at the bar after a show yep.
1: yep yeah yeah absolutely that connection between like it almost felt like and still does in certain ways that when you finally make it on that stage and are having the show it's like yeah representing us. You're like one of us that made it out instead of like, you know, the corn or the limb biscuit, which we have no connection to, right. They're from such a totally different world than us, larger than life. It felt like from, like you said a day to remember earlier, they're us, they just made it even now you watch them up on stage and it's like, they look just like everybody in the crowd. They just have their instruments on instead. And I think maybe, yeah, you're right. There's a little bit of that, like one of us mentality in there. What's
0: been the the biggest, like the thing that for you that stood out the most about that kind of mentality and that, that way that it keeps us as music fans and as people in the industry kind of grounded and, you know, I mean, it stops most of us from being picketed we're not all where so, some of us are sometimes forget it, but you know, where I feel like we're mostly a pretty level-headed and calm bunch. Right.
1: Yeah. I think like, um, part of it's probably situational because we're like, none of us are so massively successful and, and able to draw huge crowds everywhere in the world that there's always those like really humbling moments where let's say you anticipate selling like 12,000 tickets every night on your tour but then you roll into like uh like a Portland Oregon and like 3,000 people show up and like you know a bunch of people lost money on it and all these different situations happen that can be really humbling for a huge artist and in the same degree for us like let's say You know, we go on a tour in the States and like, it's really successful and everything's awesome. But then when we come overseas, we're supporting people a lot of times who are significantly smaller than us in the States, but just totally dominate us in those international markets. And so I think there's those humbling moments that exist so often that you just can't be, I mean, that's not, I could name, like, there's probably three people that are huge douchebags and really egotistical and everyone hates, but there's not very many of them. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent it's I had a question right on the tip of my fucking tongue and I lost it and that's the problem (laughs) that's the problem with trying to free from the hip yeah oh I thought you had all
1: these written down yeah oh no no I've been making this up since I said hello to you (laughs) um
0: yeah so actually I remember now I wanted to ask you about fame and I wanted to know if from your perspective it is something that you reach for or if it's just something that you get, and what I mean by that is, do you feel like, you know, your platform? Do you want your platform to sort of grow, and do you want to become more famous as a person, not as a as a band? Mm. Or do you feel like you've kind of, you're happy where you are, and it, and it's, you know, you're happy with what you've what you've got and what you've earned?
1: I think it's just a means to an end. Uh, I never, when I was a kid, wanted to be famous, but I definitely wanted it to be like. A rock star, right? Like I just loved bands so much, and I loved like concerts and the radio and stuff that I was like, I want to do that, but not because I want people to adore me. I don't have like a short answer complex sort of thing. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing that makes me need validation. I just so I think it's more opportunistic. Like the more fame that comes, the more. Um, I mean it's just this tribal thing in us when there's, you know, you go to these big festivals and there's just tens of thousands of people in that moment. It's so addictive. And so the more I can replicate that, if our music can meet the level of expectation, then I feel like I want more and more and more of that just because it's so exciting. It's as exciting, if not more for the band than it is for the crowd. I think, I don't know that you really get that jaded from it. Otherwise money is not to keep like the stones playing and stuff like that in Aerosmith. Right. Like they have so much money. They literally can't spend it. It's that weird, like endorphin connection that you get. So I think that's, that's kind of like, it's not that I don't enjoy using social media or like marketing or like be on the front of a magazine. It's cool and all, it's just more of a means to an end to like, be able to experience those moments more and more.
0: That, this, I, that is such a great way to put it. I, I fucking love that because I feel like we're all, <laughs> It's I feel like we're all in pursuit of that in some way, shape or form, you know, like in a much smaller scale, when I do an awesome interview and the person's had fun, don't feel obliged to tell me that this is good at the end
1: Um, it is really fun i'm loving this yeah (laughs) honestly
0: i i get it like i i get a kick out of it right and i dine out on that for like a week i'm just like oh (laughs) man i did that and that was awesome and i guess i mean obviously you do shows like night after night right but Mm -hmm. on a smaller scale i bet you're just i bet you've missed the hell out of that kind of
1: validation
0: and stuff over the past 12 months
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, so you talked about the business side and so much of it, that's so important, right. In keeping it able to happen. Like, and, and I think people think sometimes that bands are all they care about is money. You work incredibly hard just to make a living wage doing it. Right. And, and that's so difficult to maintain. So I think it's like, 23 hours of that and then that one hour of the show is just like so rewarding and i'm sure it's the same thing for you you said like you get the kick out of the interview but then you probably get really pumped if like more people listen to it not just because you're like i need the validation for myself but it's more like yes awesome then i'll get to keep doing this then it is you know it's it's i don't know i I think that in some ways people think social media is a bad thing because they think it makes people obsessed with validation, but I think we all need that anyway. And it's just, if you can do it the right way, it's, it can be a healthy means of that.
0: Yeah. And it's like you've talked about with being a support for bands or being a headline, like, you know, there's a certain level that you have to be at to be, support versus headline and all that kind of stuff right and it's the same for me it's like i have to be at a certain level to land that motley crew interview or Mm -hmm. you know to get that big band and so in a way it is it is kind of a not in a negative way but it is sort of an addictive like cycle
1: like feedback yeah
0: because i know that the more i put in i'm gonna get like exponentially more out of it
1: yeah well i feel like too like on the on the press side of it I know a lot of people obviously at this point that have worked at just tons of magazines and like tv and all that type of stuff and I think you were talking about like who you would geek from earlier I think that's part of what makes music and entertainment journalism so cool is that the people that are professionally doing it are still also the fans they're the same Mm -hmm. thing right um and you you can talk to people and like they'll geek on these things not just because it's like so cool and clout but because they're like I love that person I can't believe I am gonna like talk to them or like you know they're hanging out of the office or something it's just I don't know it's this weird thing or you like inside. you've got a
0: tattoo of the person that you're into yeah or not like not like of the person but like yeah music, yeah you know? yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: that would be weird that's why you shouldn't even get portrait tattoos kids. <laughs> Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> what the? yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. at least it's an icebreaker. Yeah, so true. I, f- I feel like on the, on the, it's funny though, because on the press side of it too, like unless you're someone like Metal Hammer or Kerrang, most people aren't really making any money off it either. So right. It's the same as being a grinding band. And so you have to hit those um, those bigger numbers because it kind of keeps you going, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Because that's the way that pay hey, the in chat a way. Does. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. Totally. Yeah,
0: I'm, I mean, as I like you said before, you know, you're doing software development. You could theoretically quit the band, go in and print, yeah. and print money. And it's I work a corporate job because that means that I get to do this. Because yep. you can't carry a microphone around to shows <laughs> and interview people and get paid for it.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's good that you are smart human and realize that. I think some people it took have me years it to realize that. <laughs> when's my break like oh well it's fine i'll just yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with like working and earning money everyone has to do that you know
0: but it's it's also that thing and uh, you kind of touched on it before right but this is much much easier to work a nine-to-five and make money than it is to go out and do what you're doing and build that and scale it and maintain it and be financially um resilient enough to make it through 12 months of effectively not working
1: yeah right oh yeah it's pretty insane honestly (laughs) thank god for savings you know (laughs) but honestly like shout out to like the fans and stuff because like we've been doing some of these live stream things and stuff and like honestly they really don't pay insane amounts of money but um, the fact that people are so like willing to help support bands, like they're, you're getting something of it. It's not like a donation or something. But the fact that they're saying, look, this isn't my ideal means of seeing you, but I'll still support that anyway is so cool. And like as, that's everything I'm hearing from bands on the back end. You know, it's just like how awesome all the fan bases have been throughout all this. It's so cool. Because like especially when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's like, we're going to go back to grinding out and like living our lives on the road again. So it's cool that people like supported artists to let them get back to that point. And I feel like from a fan perspective,
0: we've really been forced to rethink and re-realize how important music is to us, mm. you know, especially yeah. when, and and I think I feel this more acutely because I come from a country that doesn't get many tours. So when it's that you go from getting three a year to nothing <laughs> you you realize yeah just how big that changes you know and, yeah. and it's like man if we don't support these guys they will go away they will stop
1: yeah that's true that's true i think like i i feel like there's going to be a surge when it comes back just because i know for me i'm ready to go see some. <laughs> you know normally i like, come on i'm like oh, i'm like to go if my friends are in town now i'm like let's go let's see it all
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm
1: definitely from like a
0: press point this is the busiest month i've had in a long time there's just constant like everyone's itching and you can tell there's just uh, so yeah. much music coming out and so many albums <laughs> dropping in like the next three months and you're like yeah everyone sat around for a year and thought we're gonna make it through this let's just get yeah. you out now
1: yeah, it's funny that all this stuff's coming out too because like we we all knew like everything people were doing because you just talk, right? And so it's it's cool to see all this stuff like finally coming to fruition and be out in the world, so. For, I guess that's a, and
0: I one last question for you before I let you go.
1: Uh-huh. But when
0: you, and we talked a lot about longevity and we talked a lot about um, like building a life and all of that kind of stuff. So do you feel like you've aged out of certain parts of the band's legacy, whether it's like songs that you've written or um, albums you've released? Because you naturally grow up and you get distanced through things, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of double-sided. Like, yes, I do feel that way. And I think in the past we were a little bit more outspoken about it. But now I feel that it's a little bit disrespectful because I know I've gone back and listened to some stuff that really resonated with me when I was younger and it sounds like crap and, but it doesn't matter. Like it still triggers those memories for me and stuff. And so I, I'm trying not to, especially like with our first couple albums or like, you know, we did this like still fly cover and stuff. And like, yeah, we kind of think it's a little stupid. And like, again, we were literally kids when we did that stuff, but it means so much to some people. And like, that's just a part of their growing up that I don't want to insult that in any way, because if it is sacred to somebody, I mean, we did make it and we put it out there and it doesn't really belong to us anymore. It belongs to that person. So just because we might not necessarily play like a, song called dogs can grow Beards all over at every concert. Like I don't want to like insult someone for still like digging that song and stuff. I just, it's my hope that we'll be able to still trigger those same feelings, like with something new. Um, and like, I, I think that I'm not doing this for stupid, like reroute to the press thing with the latest <laughs> thing, but it does work itself there. I feel like for us, the Z two is kind of the natural cycle back into that thing and saying like you know what not everything we do nowadays is going to be like our house weirdo thing over here like we can still kick ass like with some riffs like right up the middle so i think like we had a lot of fun doing that. I think we will continue to do that. And plus, they're just so awesome live. I can't wait to play them live. So, just like sweating, thinking about it.
0: <laughs> that was beautiful and, and, and a very artful segue into the talk. I have <laughs> oh, totally massive unintentional. Of respect. <laughs> totally unintentional. <laughs> massive respect. I want to do this again when you're 40. And I want to revisit yeah, this yeah. whole conversation because I think uh, <laughs> that would be fucking
1: awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it very much. Um, Like you never know what to expect, but this was such a cool natural way to just talk about things. It was so awesome.
0: Thank you, man. I'm stoked that you had a good time. That's that's all I hope to do. So
1: thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell Shane, you said, what's up.
0: So that was my conversation with Jeremy from The Devil West Prada. Like I said at the top of the show, their brand new EP, Z2, or Z2 if you're from the US, is out now. It came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's a banger. It is really good, so I definitely recommend you're checking it out, especially if you stuck around till the end of this episode. I think it's going to be right up your alley. If you liked this episode, as always, hit subscribe, follow, like. I don't even know what all the fucking options are, but I'm sure you know what they are, where you get your podcasts from. So jump all over that shit. Hit me up on Facebook, More Than Punk Podcast, and on Twitter at More Than Punk. It'd be great to hear from you. We can have a bit of a chat. I'll be back next week. Over the next couple of weeks, we've got some cool stuff with some smaller bands from... The uk so i'm super excited about that getting more into the local scene and i think you guys are really going to dig it this is nightfall devil product prada from the brand new ep z 2 see you again next week